It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you'd be with me all week long. The number to call, 1-866-408-7669. Thanks for everyone that's keeping the president of Freedom Fighter, the top ten of the country in the New York Times list for the sixth straight week. Pretty amazing, and we got big appearances. I'll be on WHIO in Dayton Saturday. Go to BrianKillMe.com, get the details, get tickets, and then going to Cincinnati all on Saturday, two stops. Uh, and then on Friday night, going to make history in Nashville on Broadway. I hear it's very there's very little to do. So I thought, what if I brought my book down and give people the opportunity to read on Broadway in Nashville at the Redneck Riviera? Uh, you don't have to call ahead of time. Show up, and we'll know, we'll recognize you when we see you. So, uh, meanwhile, let's get to the big three. Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Some COVID policies have become too extreme, too rigid, and are no longer driven by clinical data. Is this what we've come to? Pharma tells people what to do in a press release, and the CDC just falls in line? It's nuts. Really? Again? That's my reaction to all these mandates and all these crackdowns. Now college crazy, sending their students remote for the first and mostly its finals week of the semester, requiring students to get boosted to come back in the spring. As uneventful and explicable as vax and mask mandates have been, this again is destroying not only the lives, the sanctity, the predictability in your life, but also rocking small businesses. Number two. I think Build Back Better is dead forever, and let me tell you why. Because Joe Manchin has said he's not going to vote for a bill that will add to the deficit. Well, if you do away with the budget gimmicks, Build Back Better, according to the CBO, adds $3 trillion to the deficit. He doesn't want to vote for a bill that makes inflation worse. There you go. Uh, That is Senator Lindsey Graham. Down goes his agenda. Thanks to Manchin's strong stance against irresponsible agenda driving spending. And Kristen Sinema's insistent that the filibuster will not go. Packing the court, federalizing elections, and Build Back Better is about to go down in flames, all leading to speculation that Joe will go after four years. We'll speculate, too. Number one. If there's anything perfect about Biden, it's a perfect storm. He's got a supply chain crisis. He's got an inflation crisis. He's got a border crisis. He's got a crisis of confidence that he can really run the country. I think that's what Americans are expressing in these polls. Yeah, I think they're expressing a lot. That's Dave McIntosh last night on Fox News Tonight with Shannon Bream. Economic worries, that's the pervasive feeling for American families this Christmas. The reasons why and the numbers that reveal it's the hardworking class paying the biggest price for the inflation energy move. Uh, And here's why. So this is what they say. Inflation affects everybody across the board. But what you buy, depending on the product and the price that you pay. So they say, for the most part, upper class, the wealthy, are paying for services. And services have not been as affected as energy and basic needs. That has been more effective. They say the average family is uh, now forced to to pay $3,500 more just to live up to the previous living standards the previous year. Now, when it comes to consumer price, it soared at 6.8% in November. The previous year, uh, it was, uh, this has got so fast. It's the fastest pace since June 1982. 
I was a senior in high school in 1982. As inflation has skyrocketed a 39-year high, nearly half of all Americans feel the actions of the Biden administration are only making matters worse. Fox poll, pretty extensive. Listen to this. It's brutal on Biden. On getting inflation under control, Biden's actions are 47% say hurt, 47% say hurting the economy, only 22% say helping the economy. On Biden's social spending plan, uh, what would that do to inflation? 46% would say it would push inflation higher. Help lower inflation, 21%, no difference, 28%. Believe me, knowing that the spending would be $2 trillion after one year, but if you play that out, it'll be $4.4 trillion. That's more than our whole budget. Joe Manch is not going for that. Next, Fox Business Poll question. Biden's social spending plan would hurt the economy, 42%. Help the economy, 36%. Fox Business Poll asked the biggest issues facing the economy. Number one, you said 36 percent. Spending and deficit, 16 percent. Income inequality, 13 percent. And the last poll I'll share with you, has inflation caused you financial hardship over the last six months? 67 percent say yes. So by not doing anything or being late to this party, the president is getting just blitzed. Here's Amy Walter last night in the Cook Political Report. Cut to. I hear this not just from the data that I'm seeing, but I actually hear it from voters that I've been listening to, sitting in a lot of in a lot of focus groups, even with uh, voters who consider themselves to be Democrats, and they raise the issue about rising prices continually, whether it's filling up their car, whether it's paying for groceries. And so uh, we've, we, we know this, um, in politics, the most important thing for the White House to get under control is the economy. And, in, and obviously, in this case, that's inflation. This right now is eating up so much, not just of the president's approval ratings, it's bringing them down, it's raising frustration among voters, but it's also making it harder for some of the Democrats on the Hill, or really specifically one of those Democrats, Joe Manchin, to go along with the plan. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's hard for Joe Manchin to do it. In fact, he's not. They don't even want to talk to him anymore. He talked to anybody, but he doesn't really get anything done. He doesn't think the child tax credit's affordable. He doesn't think the IRS, $86 billion to the IRS to ruin our lives and microanalyze our tax returns. You think you just focus on Elon Musk? Forget about it. It never turns out like that. So Manchin yesterday basically killed President Biden's hopes of passing the bill, according to uh, Axios. Uh, he put, And now Schumer is so convinced he's not going to vote for it, he is now picking up what is going to be another fail, and that is election reform. Are you kidding? We're not going to do election reform because you need a more than a simple majority. You need to get rid of the filibuster. And Kristen Sinema will not get rid of the filibuster. So instead of reporters asking questions like, Joe, what are you going to vote for? Here's what they asked him. They come out and ask Joe Manchin, uh, do you not want to give child children? Don't children deserve a tax credit? Uh, don't they deserve, don't moms deserve paid leave? And he got into an expletive rant exchange. Blanchett snapped back on Wednesday after the reporter asked this question. Oh, why are you opposition child tax credits? Killed, uh, the, and then you'll kill Joe Biden's uh, plan. And he came back with, this is BS, your BS. And he got and he walked away right after that. Elizabeth Warren going after him. He wants she wants to expand the Supreme Court. She tweeted this out or said this to the Boston Globe. 
I don't come to this conclusion lightly because I disagree with a particular decision. I come to this conclusion because I believe the current court threatens the democratic foundations of our nation. Great. Fantastic. Uh, democratic foundation of our nation. She wants to pack the court. That'll rock it. Get rid of the filibuster. That will rock it. Having $2 trillion worth of social spending, that will rock it and change it forever. Senator Kristen Sinnaman doubled down on our support of the 60-vote legislation filibuster, and she's smart. You're going to be thanking her because Republicans got an excellent chance to take in the Senate. You get rid of the filibuster, they're just going to be on the precipice of running the government within two years and now running the, the legislature within one. And I'll get into more detail on the economy because Kevin Brady's a genius at it. He came up with the Bush uh, he came up with the Bush, uh, the Bush, uh, the Trump uh, tax reform. So that's pretty significant. Uh, ben Dominich was on yesterday, I believe, on special report with a very smart Brett Baer. And he just said that Joe Manchin is taking the taking the slings and arrows, but he's not alone. Cut seven. Indeed, he's at the center of the conversation, but he certainly is not standing alone in terms of uh, his views of this legislation as being dubious when it comes to solving the many problems that are affecting our economy. And I think to that Politico report, uh, rapport doesn't cover uh, a multitude of what Manchin views as sins within this approach. He has had a list of bullet points since the beginning, really, that hasn't changed all that much in terms of how much he wants this legislation to shift in certain directions. Yeah, uh, and he's not changed. He listens, but he doesn't change. Now, the pressure on him next year to do that will be substantial because they'll say, Joe, you're going to be responsible for losing the Senate and the House and making this president look inept. The president looks inept on his own. He should hold his line, get other moderates to say, I want to work across the aisle. If the president was smart and he should have been at least savvy, he would have passed the bipartisan bill in June, stared down his wild left wing and said, I'm picking you up in the fall. And he would have looked like a guy on a roll. Instead, he looks like a guy that told everyone the virus was over. He came back and then he pulled out of Afghanistan. And now the bipartisan legislation was a last ditch effort. And when it was done, it created a lot of frayed nerves among his left. So he's got a fractured base, and he's, his, he's the one to blame. Talk about the one to blame. I blame China for the coronavirus. You should, too. But since then, our policies have all been about clampdown, lockdown, bad communication, hurt small business. Now they're telling these college kids, and maybe it's your kid, go home for the final. Don't take the final. You're not allowed back on campus. Now you get a third booster shot to get back. This, to me, is nuts. Now they're telling five-year-olds you want to go to a play, you want to go to a sporting event indoors. Now you got to get the vaccination if you're in New York, if you're in California. Dr. Human Hamadi, he's a board-certified uh, MD, said this last night, Cut 11. You did it once for over a year, closed down colleges, universities, elementary schools, all the way through high school, and did we do anything in a meaningful, tangible way to reduce spread? to reduce hospitalization, to, to reduce death. That was before even we had vaccines. It was before we had medications. And it was before we actually knew how the virus transmitted and how it infected people and who was at risk. Now we know all those things. We have vaccines. We have amazing medications with many more in development. They're about to come out. And on top of that, we know how this transmits and how it doesn't transmit. And most importantly, we know that the young are not generally at risk. And with this Omicron variant especially, it's not causing any hospitalizations or deaths. None. Please understand if just because you got it, it doesn't mean you're a death sentence. When's the last time you had a cold and said to yourself, I got to stay in for three weeks? I can't get around people. 
Oh, we're panicked when you got a cold or the flu. And lastly on this, the Southwest CEO was on Capitol Hill yesterday. His name is Gary Kelly. He told the U.S. Senate panel that masks don't add much, if anything, in fight of the spread of COVID-19 on airplanes, calling it to question the reasoning behind the mask mandate on flights imposed by airlines and the Biden administration. It's almost entirely responsible for people's irrational behavior on planes, and we end up choking each other out as a nation. We could stop it. The mandates make it worse. The president's so into the mandates, he doesn't care how much he divides it or no one's told him, uh, meaning it, meaning the country. Man, we have a lot to discuss. I'll get into the uh, the numbers, the math with Kevin Brady, but coming up next to you, 1-866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, Obviously, it cannot continue. Uh, But the fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. Maybe you do. And we cannot have that lawlessness uh, become the norm. Someone's hungover. Remember how she seemed so drunk at that DNC event? She didn't even know what she was saying. She sounded like Joe Biden, called him perfect. Joe Biden had to correct her. Excuse me. I'm Joe Biden. I've never been perfect. No one's ever described me like that uh, from what he can remember. But Nancy Pelosi, the lead, the future of the party at 84, maybe she didn't want to tell anyone she's going to retire. But, I mean, as soon as she loses the House, how could she stick around? But she's talking about crime as if they just discovered. I have no idea. Might it be George Soros-funded DAs? Might it be the uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, the tens of billions of dollars you've taken out of the police force? Might it be the 8,000 homeless that litter that city? Might it be the the plethora of smashing grabs in which he is 100% right? This isn't for people starving. These are for people who want to get brand new stuff and fence it. And they're selling it on eBay. They're selling it on Amazon. And Amazon doesn't seem to care. Uh, but for her to act like it's a mystery is such an insult. But I'm beyond being insulted. Um, I want you to hear what Matt Whitaker had to say about this, about the crime rising. He was the former attorney general. Cut 22. Well, we've gotten here by mostly a, a movement to not support the police, whether that's through defunding efforts 
or through just not having their back politically. And then it's been also these prosecutors who, uh, through their uh, prosecution decisions and allowing criminals to get out on the same day with uh, mm -hmm. no cash bail and those types of re reforms that they've implemented. And I, I just, it's staggering um, that they didn't see this coming and that they didn't think their policies would have such a detrimental effect and, and it's the spike in violent crime is a direct result of that in our major cities and it's it's reversible but it starts with good law enforcement and you know making sure that law enforcement is encouraged and supported at every turn yeah it's supported too plus you got to get people back there and you got to give them a, a incentive to make arrests because if people are going to get out right away and you're not going to back them up and you're going to say you can't touch him you can't get choke holds you're not supposed to be choking sometimes you have to uh, immobilize somebody who's trying to beat the hell out of you. So some of these things that have happened make people want, not want to do the job, retire or not take the job. So you can put money aside in San Francisco, Oakland, and Los Angeles, but nobody's going to want to do it in great numbers unless there's a ch change in tone. Kitchen Sewell, who uh, used to be the head of the, the, de the detective's chief in uh, Nassau County, will be the new uh, NYPD chief taking over for Dermot Shea. Now, she was had a press conference yesterday uh, in front of a questionable background. It was from a, a mural of a cop killer and Malcolm X and others. But having said that, people are optimistic. I'm hearing good things about her. Here she's focused on, to focused on the biggest problem, and that's the no-cash bail. Cut 24. Judges certainly should have the discretion to determine who's a danger to society and whether or not they should be released immediately after uh, a crime has been committed. But they have to strike a balance. Someone can't simply languish in jail simply because they don't have the money to be able to get themselves out. So we have to strike a balance. So what is that balance? I know that's a legislative question, but it from is. a law enforcement position, what would you like to see there? Certainly someone who's a danger to the society or a danger to the, uh, the community should be reviewed to see whether they should be allowed to be back out. You can't put this person back out to commit more crimes. Because they're helpless. Uh, they just say these are the rules. The judges say their hands are tied. But the judges are pretty permissive, too, in these liberal states. She went on was asked about putting this anti-crime unit back on the streets, which is code for undercover unit, to find out who's committing these crimes and get inside these syndicates, big and small. Cut 25. You'll see plainclothes units back on the street. You'll see the right police officers with the right amount of training and the right amount of support. They, these stops do work, but we have to make sure that they are justifiable stops and that we are putting the right... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. <laughs> His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. People in those positions who are sensitive to the communities and the positions that we've given them to be able to enforce. So they'll be doing that, and we'll see what'll happen. But you have a police commissioner who's actually done the job. You have a, you have a police commissioner. Then you have a mayor that's actually been a captain in the NYPD. Now, I'm not committed to him, but I am very hopeful to him. Uh, one thing that she will have to do is navigate a very political environment in New York City, something that didn't really take place in Long Island in Nassau County, which has its challenging towns, no question. But you had a great commissioner in Pat Ryder. Uh, she will be the commissioner, and she'll take a lot of the slings and arrows, and I hope she won't have to deal with a lot of the political woke stuff that will really hamstring 
any uh, uh, any officer. Listen, when we come back, I want to go inside these numbers with Kevin Brady. Uh, so far, the MVP has been Joe Manchin as well as Kirsten Cinema, and the American people, for the most part, do not believe that Joe Biden is doing anything to help them at the pump or on the shelf. We'll talk about inflation and more when we come back with Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas, soon to be retiring. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. A majority of Americans oppose the tax increases in that bill. They oppose the inflationary spending in that bill. You know, if there's anything perfect about Biden, it's a perfect storm. He's got a supply chain crisis. He's got an inflation crisis. He's got a border crisis. He's got a crisis of confidence that he can really run the country. And I think that's what Americans are expressing in these polls as his disapproval rate reaches record highs. Sixty seven percent disapprove of the way he's handling inflation in the economy. And that's a real vote of no confidence for his policies and for his personal leadership. But he guarantees a win next year. Congressman Kevin Brady joins us now. Congress, Congressman, we knew when you had to stop the literally stop the economy, it would not be easy to get it back on track. Uh, what Joe Biden's done with the one point nine trillion, with the one point two trillion and now begging for the one point nine trillion. Has that helped or hurt? Congressman? Yeah, I think he's there. He might, you know, we might be struggling to get his phone going and putting his headset in. That could be it. So Fox Business does this poll on the social spending plan. That's the Build Back Better plan, the reconciliation package. 42% says it's going to hurt the economy. Really? Okay. Uh, 36% say help. 19% say it makes no difference. If you combine the makes no difference and not good... Uh, and uh, going to hurt the economy? Not good. With me right now, Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas. Congressman, welcome back. All right. I'm doing some great introductions. I just feel bad he can't hear them. So I'm willing to do a third if we believe he's so, back. Uh, Congressman, so Brian, are you, are you, there? Are you there? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. You just came on a second ago. Okay. Uh, no problem. So I played uh, some analysts talking about the fact that Joe Biden's the stuff that he's done to 1.9 trillion, the 1.2 trillion, and now he's pushing for the uh, 1.9 trillion or 2.5 trillion, whatever it is. The American people, according to the Fox Business poll and Gallup, don't think any of that's helping. Yeah, yeah. No, look, American people are pretty smart. They know everything he's doing is driving up inflation and just hammering them. They don't feel like that two trillion dollar earlier stimulus for March is helping uh, at all. Uh, and they now know, too, um, this year, 2021, average family spent $3,500 more just to buy the same things they did the year before. And so uh, they don't believe all the socialist spending, all the Green New Deal subsidies, all the tax breaks for the wealthy are going to help working Americans. And I think that's why Joe Manchin is the clear-eyed guy in the Senate right now who understands, you know, back in West Virginia, this isn't, this isn't helping them. It's hurting them. So if it wasn't for Joe Manchin, all this stuff would be passed. They're going to get rid yes, of the fil- they want to get rid of the filibuster, pack the courts, 
uh, have federalized elections. And then with this, he was it was going to be three point five trillion. Now one point nine. Really, Kristen Cinema, but mostly Joe Manchin has stopped it. Do you think about that? Yes. Yeah, so it's and I have to tell you what I have to give Senator Cinema some credit here because both on the filibuster and on some of the worst of the tax increases, uh, she's been holding. <clears throat> excuse me, she's been holding really firm. And then I think Senator Manchin more on the spending side of this. And so together, I think they've uh, actually injected some common sense there. But look, I think they're struggling right now. That doesn't mean uh, they can't uh, pull it back together. But if I were them, one, uh, President Biden's nearly a million jobs short of what he promised from that last big blowout of spending in March. Um, Small businesses, you know, yesterday we all read small businesses, their outlook on going forward is that they're so pessimistic. It's almost a 48-year low because they're seeing huge price increases. They can't find workers. They can't get their products and all. And so, uh, look, when small businesses, they're sort of the canary in the coal mine. They're the ones who told us long early on they couldn't find workers. They early on told us about inflation hitting, and now they're telling us how pessimistic and discouraged they are right now. So, look, I think Senator Manchin's you know, got sort of the sense of where most Americans are at, which is we're going the wrong direction fast. So there's a bunch of retirements in the House. You're one of them. Well, are you having second thoughts being that the Republicans are 99 percent likely to take it back? No, but I'm going to do my best to make sure it's 100 percent that they take it back. And we are Ways and Means Committee. I was, in fact, after we get off this phone call, I'm meeting with my leaders on the on the uh, Ways and Means Republicans about what we're how we're going to lead. Uh, in the majority, but we still have to win it, and we're keeping our eye on that ball right yeah. now. Here, here's what uh, the frustration is really boiling over with Nancy Pelosi, but they're not showing it because if they alienate Manchin, they lose the Senate, and he goes to the Republicans. Yeah. Cut five. No, yeah. I think that uh, this is called the legislative process, and uh, we have our rules, and they have their rules, and it, I'm still hopeful that it will pass. I'm not going to have a post-mortem on something that hasn't died. Uh, I think that uh, uh, I think we will have the legislation and it will pass. Uh, I hope the sooner the better, especially since we have certain deadlines. And uh, I respect the process and I respect Senator Manchin. Well, you have to. But what's the, what's the sense behind the scenes? Must be uh, incredible frustration for Democrats. Privately, Brian, privately, they're livid at, at Manchin and, and uh so angry they can't see straight. And the difference is, look, in the House, you know, Speaker Pelosi basically bullied all but one of her Democrats into supporting that thing, even knowing it will cost them uh, the election. She doesn't have that power in the Senate and mansions his own man over there. So, yeah, they are just so mad they can't see straight. And that's why, it's, you know, right now they're talking about trying to bring back this national takeover of our state and local elections in some form, but I think that's going to fail as well because it doesn't have support uh, of uh, Republicans in the Senate. You know, it must be a relief to you. You help write, if not you were the main writer, that Ways and Means chair of this tax reform. They were about to put another 10 points on the corporate tax rate. They were about to bring up the, go from 37 to 39 percent on the upper class rate. Now, have you have you thought about it? People say that you guys added you were adding trillions to the deficit before the pandemic. Was the math working out for you? Yeah, in in a good way. So those uh, claims that you hear from the president and in Speaker Pelosi, Democrats today, just aren't true. In fact, we did a fact check yesterday on the Associated Press because they made the same claim again 
about the tax reform uh, costing trillions. But the truth of the matter is our economic growth was so strong. We have record the highest federal revenues in history last year from businesses, from individuals, even high earners as well are paying a bigger share. And so the Congressional Budget Office estimates that already their estimate is that uh, 80 percent of the cost of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, will be recouped and with higher economic growth, perhaps all of it. So we added jobs and growth and leapfrog America number one economy in the world and lift millions of people out of poverty, they're spending $5 trillion to actually hurt the economy. Oh, they're very interesting. So are you under the impression that this is not going to get a vote this year? What will you be voting on before the end of this calendar? Yeah, so it sounds like the only thing left, Brian, is uh, is this um, national takeover of elections. If they do it, uh, they could bring us back, we're told. But I think they're right now they're they're pretty discouraged about this. So I don't see that happening, but there'll be a big push when we go back in January on all of this. Um, do you think last year uh, was socialist? I think they're going to go even further uh, left uh, in in the election year. So uh, we're prepared for it and uh, to fight it every inch of the way, because look, a lot, a lot hangs in the balance right now. Uh, so do you believe that Morgan Luttrell will get your spot? You know, he's, he's a great candidate and uh, will do a great job in Congress. It's going to be a race. There's, I think, seven or eight people in that uh, in that race. Uh, he's working it hard. Um, we're a conservative district, one of the most conservative in the country. So we're going to end up with an awfully good member of Congress. And he's uh, he's a really good, strong, tough candidate. Congressman Kevin Brady, thanks so much. Have a great Christmas. Thanks, Brian. Enjoying your book, too, by the way. Uh, thank you. The President Freedom Fighter. Uh, but, of course, you That's like Sam great. Houston better because you're a Texan uh, through and through. I appreciate yeah, but it's it. it's a great read. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now, Merry Christmas. The same to you, Congressman. Uh, Congressman Kevin Brady. Of course, he'll be retiring soon, but he knows his numbers. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'm going to hear from you on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. A new study finds that if cats were humans, their behavior would classify them as psychopaths. <laughs> While if dogs were human, they'd get me too on day one. What was that from? Weekend's Update. Wasn't that funny? Uh, it was funny, but like, how, am I supposed, you're supposed to be stuff I can build off of. I mean, everyone can relate to cats and dogs, right? You have right, two I dogs, guess. you can't build I off know, of that? I know, but I don't know. I mean, I think it is funny. But it it is Thursday. <laughs> it's th- I know. Well, when it's an evergreen joke, it really doesn't matter if we played it on Monday or Thursday. No. Plus, you weren't here half the time. Eric, did you day. sign off on this? I did not. Right. <laughs> I made the call to try to inject humor that has fallen terribly flat. <laughs> no, so you're no, welcome. <laughs> it was funny. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't. I don't Laugh know. and move on. Right. I guess so. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm trying to think. Uh, I know what you're saying. We're talking about crime and the coronavirus. Uh, not much upbeat topics there. But in terms of what the, they're doing in colleges, what they're doing with kids, uh, in spoke, speaking with Ainsley today, they have paralyzed Ainsley, who I host with on Fox and Friends. They have paralyzed parents. 
young parents. Because in New York City, and you could maybe relate to this, even there, it's too young. If you have a five, oh, five-year-old, you can't go anywhere. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to theater. You can't go to a sporting event. She wanted to put their, her kid into tennis. They wouldn't let her play tennis. How could you be more socially distanced than tennis? Are you afraid of a five-year-old giving you the coronavirus? The other irony, if you want to fly anywhere in the U.S. with a five-year-old, you need to show no ID. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. Uh, a top, uh, the other thing, I have not seen the science that said if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, it's easier for you to spread. There's any difference at all. So you really comes down to a personal decision. If you are overweight with underlying conditions, if you don't want to get a vaccination, that's your, that's your life without a net. And maybe you're not worried about it. And then if you are not overweight, if you're in good condition, barring if you want to go against the stats, there's always a chance something could come severely to you. They're still finding out about this. But if you're vaccinated, double vaccinated, if that's good enough for you, you are not more or less susceptible than an unvaccinated person. So don't worry about it. Just live your life. Make your own decisions. The one thing I don't get is why certain people always sound to make sense, like Dr. Marty McCarry. On what is going on now with the boosters and the kids. Cut 14. Some COVID policies have become too extreme, too rigid, and are no longer driven by clinical data. Take, for example, boosters in children who already had COVID. When Pharma announced on Wednesday that they did a lab experiment that shows that boosters raise antibody levels against Omicron without releasing the underlying scientific data, the CDC immediately urged everyone 16 and 17 years old to get a booster. Is this what we've come to? Pharma tells people what to do in a press release and the CDC just falls in line? It's crazy. It is nuts. Believe me, booster is everything now. Now they're required in colleges. And this is what uh, Todd Zawicki, the George Mason Law, George Mason Law professor, very prestigious, said to her about what they're doing now at George Mason in Virginia. Cut 13. If you're talking about a kid who's 20 years old, who's already had COVID, um, I mean, that's that's as good as it gets, uh, pretty much. And at that point, all you're talking about with vaccines are side effects. And what we know is that uh, the side effects are even greater for young people after they've recovered um, from uh, from COVID. And so it's just really vicious. It's uh, it's a really inhumane policy, a one-size-fits-all policy uh, that basically forced these kids it, it's, uh, but to, to choose between uh, interrupting their education um, and having to really risk their health in order to, uh, to do this. And as you said, the vaccines don't really stop transmission uh, anyway. Um, and a kid who's already yeah. had COVID in particular does nothing at all. Yeah, and meanwhile, Princeton, Cornell, and others urge students to head home because of the COVID outbreak, a sharp rise. And if you want to come back, you have to have a booster. My daughter's school, one of them anyway, uh, said you need a booster by the time you come back. Uh, she has to. She's wrapping up, I think, this week, and they have not done that, but they're about to. Now they're going to require a booster. And believe me, if there's a variant out there that this evidently, mysteriously, now this boost, now this vaccine works on the Omicron. Really? Because South Africa called you up because it wasn't. But go ahead. You banned them anyway. Now it's here. And he says, well, good news. It w- a booster was all you need. You don't need a specific one. Even though Pfizer started working on a specific one as soon as it broke out. But it looks like this president has dug in on the mandates. And the Democratic governors in New York and California are doing the mandates. County execs are going against the mandates. Uh, the great governor of Florida, DeSantis, is his county executive is pushing back him. 
Uh, and if you're in a business person, five miles away, you have totally different rules than the one five miles closer. It's a joke. And get this. I, I love this. Now we see from the CEO of Southwest, and I've been on so many planes over the last two months with the President of Freedom Fighter on the tour. It says something we all know. Masks don't work, especially when you're on a plane. They have had such sophisticated air, uh, this air system put in. They are extremely confident. Gary Kelly said this last night, excuse me, yesterday on Capitol Hill, cut 17. The statistics I recall is 99.97% of airborne pathogens uh, are captured by the HEPA filtering system and it's turned over every two or three minutes. Yeah, I I think the case uh, is very strong that uh, masks don't add much, if anything, uh, in the uh, air cabin environment. It's very safe and very high quality compared to uh, uh, any other indoor setting. Right. I mean, you sit there and you got to leave it on. They ask you to pull it up if you're not there. With Amtrak, they they had so many people not complying, the conductors and the engineers, that they had to reverse it and say you could go ahead and work there without a vaccine. Good. Can we take off our masks as passengers? Because there's nothing more belligerent than an Amtrak conductor. They are absolutely insane. You drop that mask a little bit below your nose and they go crazy. That's why I'm paying all this money and you got all that infrastructure money when we know the circulation there is even better than you get in a building like the one we're all in right now. So more people, I don't care where you stand. All of this is division. You don't need the mandate. It's division. 60% of the entire country, I think 70% of those 12 and up are vaccinated. This should be game over. And if we're to believe the U.K. and Israel, it is not. In Israel, they're working on a fourth shot. In the U.K., they're getting a, ma- ma- a massive surge in cases to the point where they're thinking about possibly canceling Christmas. It's nuts. Uh, here is Dr. Judent Neshwat on the vaccine and Omicron, and what might be necessary and not necessary, 16. What's reassuring so far, Brett, is today the CDC announced that a specific vaccine specifically for Omicron is not necessary. But rather what is necessary is getting a booster, a third dose. It has been shown that getting a third dose will increase your protection from about 34% to about 76% in fighting against the Omicron variant. And that's that's really a significant improvement. And I can tell you, Brett, firsthand, you know, of all the patients that I uh, tested positive uh, yesterday, my last shift, Um, All of them uh, who tested positive, they had mild symptoms, but none of them were boosted. She's smart. I don't want to say anything, but do they realize what they're asking the American people to do? Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. We're starting to get a sense that maybe things might turn around in New York City, maybe your city, because uh, crime is such a focus and is so bipartisan, even though the blame is clearly on the extreme left and the DAs and the pushback on cops 
to fund the cop, to fame the cops. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing San Francisco. We're seeing Oakland. We're seeing distaste and a recall moving in, in Los Angeles. And now you see a change of the guard with Eric Adams and now a new police commissioner here. We'll see how that goes. It can't get any worse. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Some COVID policies have become too extreme, too rigid, and are no longer driven by clinical data. Is this what we've come to? Pharma tells people what to do in a press release and the CDC just falls in line? Nuts. Uh, Here we go. Really, again, that's my reaction to the college crazy saying students to remote. Yes, in the finals week. And it is finals week of the semester requiring students to get boosted before coming back in the spring. As uneventful and inexplicable, the vaccine mask mandates, they continue to rock small business. Number two. I think Bill Better is dead forever. And let me tell you why. Because Joe Manchin has said he's not going to vote for a bill that will add to the deficit. Well, if you do away with the budget gimmicks, Build Back Better, according to the CBO, adds $3 trillion to the deficit. He doesn't want to vote for a bill that makes inflation worse. Down goes his agenda, thanks to Joe Manchin's strong stance against an irresponsible uh, dr- agenda-driven spending program. Christian Sinema's insistence that the filibuster will not go means packing the court is not going to happen. Federalizing elections won't take place. Build Back Better goes down in flames, meaning many are speculating that Joe Biden is just about done. Number one. If there's anything perfect about Biden, it's a perfect storm. He's got a supply chain crisis. He's got an inflation crisis. He's got a border crisis. He's got a crisis of confidence that he can really run the country. I think that's what Americans are expressing in these polls. Dave McIntosh weighing in. Economic worries. That's the pervasive feeling for American families this Christmas. The reasons why and the numbers that reveal Uh, It's a working class that is paying the biggest price. And that's talking about inflation because they look for energy. And the upper class and so-called middle class are spending more for services, which have not been affected as much by inflation. Uh, Let's uh, move ahead. And we're very privileged to have with us today uh, Dr. Marty McCary. Dr. McCary, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. How was Capitol Hill yesterday? Uh, it was good. I mean, some people are very receptive in the government and other people are mixed or, or you know, giving us uh, fluff. So it's the typical government response. Some people get it. Some people don't. So much is at stake, though. I mean, between the mandates, the mass mandates, the vaccination, vaccination mandates, and then when kids, five-year-olds, should I go back? Can they go back to school with a shot? Uh, will you allow them to go to theater without a shot? I mean, every, in every aspect, there seems to be uh, anger and division. Well, right now, what we're seeing is this massive new wave of fear that is fueling our second pandemic after COVID-19, which is a pandemic of lunacy, which is Omicron. Now, I call it Omicold. If you look at the epidemiological data, the epicenter is now way down from Omicron. The hospitals had some hospitalizations, not much. They were short. They averaged two and a half days instead of eight days. But a study just came out of the University of Hong Kong telling us that Omicron does not invade the lung tissue. That's deep in the respiratory tract. It stays superficial in the nose and bronchus. So that's why we're seeing a common cold-like illness. This new scientific data from the lab explains the, the epidemiological data and the bedside observation of doctors that this is far more mild. It, with the piece all fits together now, and we, that's why I call it Omicold. 
So, Dr. Makari, but what's the headline? It spread 70 times faster than COVID-19. But then you look at it and you come to those con- the conclusion you just came to. So they're, they're almost, by stealing these headlines, they're being so dishonest and alarming to people who are not going to dig into that story. Well, it depends what headline you want, what message you want to send. I can recast any respiratory virus as a potential bubonic plague that's going to destroy the United States. It's just how you present the statistics, like you said. When, um, what, what, if, with the testing continuing and with the spread so quick, how do you prevent the quarantine that follows, even though this variant is so less severe? How do you, can we amend how we react to it? We've got to reduce testing in low-risk situations. You, if you test everyone in the United States, you will find a virus particle in the nose of some fraction of Americans forever. Now, you can continue to do universal testing like a lot of universities and continue to sample people and bring them in. And if they test positive, put them in jail for 10 or 14 days. But if you do that with meningococcus, which is a bacteria that causes meningitis, you will find it living in the nose of 10% of the U.S. population. And so we can't go hunting for a problem that is a very mild or asymptomatic uh, illness. True. I want you to hear what, uh, there's two things going on with the mask mandates and what its effect on small businesses, especially when it comes to gyms and when it comes to restaurants and when it comes to travel. Uh, the MTA, whether it's the train in your neighborhood or the bus in your neighborhood, now there's going to be whether the new, if you're in New York or California, and who knows who's going to follow in our wake as the numbers go up. Now we're going to have the the uh, the cops as a good, going after you for masks. Listen to what Gary Kelly said yesterday on Capitol Hill. I don't know if he testified in the same hearing. He is the CEO of uh, Southwest. Cut seventeen. The statistics I recall is 99.97 percent of airborne pathogens. Uh, are captured by the HEPA filtering system and is turned over every two or three minutes. Yeah, I I think the case uh, is very strong that uh, masks don't add much, if anything, uh, in the uh, air cabin environment. It's very safe and very high quality compared to uh, uh, any other indoor setting. Is he right? (laughs) Yeah. One of the safest places you can be is actually in an airplane because of the airflow or a stadium where you've got a massive airflow or an outdoor atmospheric pressure. Now, sure, the word safe is a relative term. You could put everybody in a spacesuit and give them their own international space station, and it'll, it'll reduce the transmission of respiratory pathogens in a population. But at some point, we've got to live our lives. And I think that line is completely blurred. And the only thing guiding policymakers right now who are grandstanding, trying to make it look like they're one-upping the next politician on how tough they are on COVID are voters and public sentiment. And they do track that. That's why the mayor of uh, D.C. removed the mask mandate with no numbers that met any criteria to do so. It was just at its side, some people demanded a reasonable approach to masks. By the way, kids, can I mention uh, kids for a second, Brian? A recent study from Brown University, and I'm going to read the, the, read the article. We find that children bo- born during the pandemic have significantly reduced verbal, motor, and overall cognitive performance compared to children born pre-pandemic. Wow. Already. Yeah. So we, we, are, you know, we were told masks have no downsides. We're seeing it now in, in children and their development. This is a big study from Brown University. 
So why is that never taken into account for when Dr. Fauci speaks or we're hearing about these new rules? Why, why is it we still, two years into this now, we still don't ever bring up the learning factor, the, the, uh, the lack of growth. It's unbelievable. We only see one side of it, and there's not more of a demand to see uh, the downside of it. We're in a press conference with a doctor there. Wear a lab coat if you want to be convincing. You say, hey, listen, the Omicron, is, it's easy to spread. But the last thing we want to do is put a mask on a kid because we think the development has already been shown. And I don't want to take that risk. I want to tell you there's a small risk for parents. You could do what you want to do. But I will say I, I do not want to risk the development of a child. That's my recommendation. Then you'd be, yeah, buy-in. But now just saying all you see is the virus side, we have not expanded our point of view. Did that come out yesterday in the hearing? Um, yes, we did talk about this, uh, about children. I can tell you, the committee members, even though they've got their party allegiances, they're listening to their constituents right now. And when you've got a mom who's not political, who doesn't you know, have any party allegiance saying, hey, my kid is not performing according to the speech pathologist because of this mask, that person is angry right now. And what Dr. Fauci does, who, um, you know, he's a physician, he's a politician with an MD behind his name. He selectively talks about the research studies that support some political agenda. Don't expect him to be talking about the University of Hong Kong study that came out yesterday showing that Omicron really barely infects lung tissue. It stays in the upper respiratory system because that fits the narrative that Omicron is, in fact, mild. Don't expect him to talk about fluvoxamine or natural immunity or the two drugs sitting on the FDA's desk right now that reduce COVID deaths to zero or near zero. What Pfizer's are, cut it to zero. Whoa, who, who has? Pfizer? Pfizer's drug, Paxlovid, cut COVID deaths to zero. And the reason you're not hearing that is because they designed the study to look at how, how it reduced hospitalizations. So they're obligated to report a reduction in hospitalizations. But if you look at the underlying data, nine people died in the placebo group. These were people with COVID and risk factors. These were high-risk people. Nine died who got placebo. Zero died who got Paxlovid, the new drug that's sitting on the FDA's desk waiting for approval. That is stunning. And there's a theory out there that if you're only vaccine-centric and you have a therapeutic that keeps you that, that makes you feel as though you don't need the vaccine that'll be that'll be counter your message so we're not going to make that available are you someone who subscribes to that yeah all of these things you're not hearing about that you should be hearing about daily i mean with announcements all of these things you're not hearing about are because they threaten the vaccine for all message which look i, I want people to get vaccinated if they haven't had the infection and they, they have risk factors but all these things the Omicron study in the University of Hong Kong is showing that it's mild. Uh, the new therapeutics, natural immunity, one common thread of all of those things is they threaten the vaccinate all message, and they do not want anyone to touch that message. Must be frustrating for you. I mean, it's frustrating for me, and I'm not a medical professional, but for you, it must be driving you crazy. Well, a lot of people, you know, I don't know, a third of America gets it. They're smart enough, right? And what frustrates me is I, I have a tough time competing with Dr. Fauci. Fox gives me a platform, thank God. But Dr. Fauci is on like, you know, 10, 20 programs a day. I maybe have the time for one or two of these interviews a day to get the word out. I'm spending all my time doing COVID research, going through studies, reviewing them with my team. So it's hard for me to compete with Dr. Fauci, especially since he has that 
NIH uh, label, which some people have a lot of blind faith in. Let me ask you, have you ever met somebody uh, in your profession that feels as though he's got to be on all the time like this? Do you think, I mean, is there something really bizarre about this? Yeah, I'll get invitations from podcasts I've never heard of. And my staff will tell me, Marty, we're going to decline this for you because there are 16 followers on Twitter on the podcast and three likes on Facebook and, you know, one review on iTunes on the podcast website. And I say, okay, thank you. And then they'll tell me, hey, Dr. Fauci just went on it. And I'll think, how on earth does he have the time? The guy's supposed to be running an $8 billion budget at the NIH. No wonder he's not talking about fluvoxamine. I don't even know if he's read the trial. By the way, fluvoxamine has, it's been on the shelf for years. It's 10 bucks. It, there's no studies against it. It's not like ivermectin or hydroxy where you got some for, some against, and there's a controversy. It's 100% clear there are two randomized trials, yet he's never talked about it. I don't even know if he's ever read the study. That's just it. If you're always on, how are you learning? The research says, and half the time it's almost like medical jazz, kind of floats with the question. He never comes out and says, this is what we just found out. He'll sit there and, and make policy by the, by the type of questions he's asked. So when we're looking at the, the case surge, should we be looking at Delta, and should we be asking what's Omicron, because we know that it's spread so easily, but it's mild symptoms? Should we be asking ourselves, okay, the cases went up X amount. Should we be saying, what are they as, as Americans? Should we be saying, okay, what are we getting here? And should that matter And how long, how many games we missed, how many days of school we missed or work? We should be tracking hospitalizations and not tracking cases and not testing people unless they're going to change their behavior around someone who's vulnerable. So I, I'm actually optimistic that Omicron appears to be displacing Delta, which is a more dangerous variant. And if we keep chasing this thing, which probably everybody in the world will get Omicron, and most will be asymptomatic, by the way, and the immune protection works, by the way, against Omicron, that's been studied now. The T-cells kill Omicron if your T-cells come from prior infection or even from vaccination. It will um, destroy Omicron. So we've got to start tracking hospitalizations because Look at the data the UK reported on Omicron. 4,700 cases, 10 hospitalizations. What does that tell you? It tells you that it's not overwhelming hospitals. Hospitals in South Africa were not overwhelmed with Omicron in Gutong, the province where the epicenter was, and it's now declining. Um, one last thing, Brian, I want to mention. We're talking about Dr. Fauci. Does he read the studies? A new study just came out in Nature Medicine yesterday showing that with the vaccines, particularly Moderna, the rates of myocarditis are way higher than we thought. They're way higher than myocarditis you get from the infection. And the cardiologists are very concerned. And actually, the, the European Union does not recommend um, Moderna for people under age 30. Imagine that. Germany, France, they, they tell you you should not get the Moderna vaccine if you're under 30. I mean, that is wow. significant data. I think we're going to learn more about heart complications. I think so. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That is huge. Dr. Martin McCari, his book is called The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare. Thanks, Dr. McCari. Appreciate it. Back in Thanks, a moment. Bye.
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The mayor does not control the crime problem. The district attorneys are more significant in that uh, uh, situation. And San Francisco, like Chicago, like Boston, like soon to be in New York, Atlanta, every one of these cities that's having problems, uh, take a look at the district attorneys, most of them funded by George Soros and his Open Society, They are destroying the criminal justice system in America. They are undoing 25 years of crime decline in America. Rapidly, within the last two years, crime increases. uh, We've not seen anything like it in modern history. So thank the DA. So the mayors can talk all they want. Police chiefs can complain all they want. But if these district attorneys refuse to prosecute, you're not going to see any changes. That is maybe the best uh, outside Ray Kelly the best police commissioner that we've had over the last uh, 30, 40 years. And he's saying, don't get caught up in a rant from a San Francisco mayor or a New York mayor like Eric Adams, even though he knows what it's like to be a policeman. He was a captain. Uh, Keep in mind that it's the DA because the DA prosecutes or doesn't prosecute, presses presses the judges or, or ties the judges' hands. Or on the same time, there's no cash bail. It's got to stop. You know, uh, Bruce Blakeman was part of a huge red wave on Long Island. Beat Laura Curran, who was extremely popular and moderate. She believes she lost because she was linked to the DA, who had the no-cash bail. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You know who beat inflation forecasters around the country? The best number one inflation forecaster. Senator Joe Manchin. Numero uno. I don't even know if he talks to economists. But since last winter, when the $2 trillion Democrat so-called relief package was implemented, Joe Manchin has been warning about inflation. And that's why he has argued consistently all year that Biden's big government socialist bill should be paused until inflation is clearly falling, which, by the way, it is not. That's Larry Kudlow uh, thanking Joe Manchin uh, because he wants to kill the bill. He's been saying that over and over again. And so are a lot of Republicans and I think a lot of moderates because he's taken a lot of slings and arrows for others who just will not go to blow up the filibuster, does not want to do substantial uh, election reform and does not want to go with this Build Back Better plan. Uh, John Roberts knows to, knows how to go inside Washington. Is still there, co-anchor of America Reports. John, welcome back. Hey Brian, thank you. It's it's been a bit of a tough uh, few days. My my wife Kira's mother tragically and unexpectedly passed away a few days ago. So wow. I've been out in San Diego. I've been out in San Diego with her, um, trying to you know handle her mom's affairs. It's it's been a tough week, but it's good to be back. Well, what, what was the cause? Um, she had um, something called an aortic dissection. Wow. 
Um, and I would I would encourage anyone who's listening that if you have symptoms of, of severe heartburn and and neck pain, to encourage your doctors to look at aortic dissection because unfortunately, in, um, in Kira's mom's case, it was it was missed. Well, on top of that, right before the holidays, that's stunning, especially yeah, it's gonna, you have young it's children, their grandmother. It's going to be a tough Christmas this year. Well. Uh, sorry to hear that. Uh, and everything but, but, I say from now uh, on was is much less important. Um, but but I, I should point yeah. out, though, at the same time, it's going to be a, a very tough Christmas for all of those families across uh, the Midwest who are so horribly impacted by all of those tornadoes as well. And you could say the 400,000-plus that died uh, this past year uh, in 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We've lost a lot of people in the last year. Right. Um, no question about that. So a couple of things. I, I just on a on much lesser note, well, one thing that else is going down uh, politically, and I did not forecast this. When you see the inflation going up, you might say, well, no matter who, what president, inflation is going to go up. But you look at these polls, and it looks as though the American people, and if you flip around, John, you know that uh, 90% of the media, maybe more, has been looking to put say something positive about Joe Biden on a daily basis, but they're not buying it. They look at him as somebody responsible for inflation. Uh, when asked, uh, does Joe Biden's policies affect inflation? Forty percent say, forty-seven percent say it's hurting inflation. Twenty-two uh, percent say it's helping. The polls, in terms of the Fox Business, did a poll: the biggest issues facing the economy, inflation number one. He was on the record saying it was transient. Number one, he wasn't saying it was existing. Then it was transient. That was the Fed secretary. But now they were in damage control since. Yeah, there's no question, Brian, that it's, it's getting more and more difficult all of the time to write favorable stories about this administration's policies. I mean, if you look at a Fox Business poll that was done in, in, in uh, the last couple of days, uh, inflation higher prices is number two on the list of voter concerns. Yep. 75% of Democrats, 91% of Republicans are concerned about it. That's right behind the coronavirus pandemic and right ahead of uh, the rising crime rate across the United States. So when you when you look at coronavirus and how this administration's been handling it, that's the top concern. If you look at the problems that this administration has with inflation, that's the number two concern. And if you look at at the democratic policies across the country uh, that have also flowed out of the White House, that's the number three concern among voters in this country. So in, in order for a sometimes syncophantic media to write good stories about Joe Biden's uh, domestic policies and international policies, for that matter, has become more and more difficult. Yeah, I, I think you're seeing that, too. I don't think his numbers have recovered really since Afghanistan. Uh, and there's a couple other things going on there, too. Are you surprised about all this talk from Chris Kaliza of CNN? I think... Uh, uh, I think uh, Politico, too. Are you surprised to see people speculating already about who should run and why Joe Biden shouldn't? <laughs> yeah. And then there was a, an, an editorial today. Now, uh, I'll, you know, granted, it was from a conservative saying that Joe Biden shouldn't run again. And and when you look at the chatter and the way it's going in the Democratic Party, uh, Democrats are looking past Kamala Harris as a potential candidate for 2024 if Joe Biden were not to run. And they're going with Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Maybe they're having buyer's remorse from the 2020 campaign. I'm not sure. But there doesn't seem to be a tremendous appetite among a lot of Democrats for Joe Biden to run again. Now, Nancy Pelosi, 
apparently uh, Joe Biden is perfect to her. Uh, but for many, many Democrats, uh, he is not. And ne- neither is Kamala Harris. So and we- they're looking to whoever uh, may be able to emerge from the pack and become a, a strong and viable running, uh, a strong and viable candidate for 2024. So Axios is saying playbook echoing, and it's not really a big secret. Joe Manchin will talk to anybody, but he's not budging. A Build Back Better plan will mm-hmm. not fly with him. And for a myriad of reasons, and he used an expletive yesterday when he got one of those questions of basically, do you not like children? Is that why you're not voting for this? Uh, And he said that's BS and went back at him, but he'll talk to anyone. But they're getting frustrated. Reportedly, Senator Schumer moved on, and they're talking about election reform, federalizing elections, because they're evidently so concerned about some changes that are going from state to state. Well, Kirsten Sinema says, well, to do that, you need to get rid of the filibuster, and I will not support getting rid of the filibuster. By the way, either will Joe Manchin. So they're pretty much flummoxed. They have nothing else to do the rest of the way unless your reporting is different. No, Democrats are looking at at all of these failures uh, legislatively that have um, happened during their tenure. And they're looking at the clock running out because they know that in the House, at least, they're likely to get decimated on November 8th of, of next year and potentially lose the Senate as well, though. I think the map is a little more difficult for Republicans than it is for the House. And so they're, they're trying to get anything done that they can say to their base, look at what we did. So if they can't get Build Back Better done, then they're going to turn to election reform. And if they can't get election reform done because Kirsten Sinema doesn't want to nuke the filibuster, and I'm sure Joe Manchin doesn't either, he thinks it's an important part of the legislative process, then they'll likely turn to something else that they could potentially throw to the base. But, Brian, just about every step along the way when it comes to passing a partisan agenda, uh, they're failing because they have some reasonable people in the party who are looking at this and saying, look, this might be good politics for some members of the Democratic Party, but it's bad for the nation. And and I would, I, you know, I don't know if I'd be surprised, but uh, I wouldn't mind betting you that at some point Joe Manchin takes a look at whether or not he really wants to remain a Democrat. Whether he, I'm sorry, he really wants to? Remain a Democrat. Or if he wants to either go independent or maybe even, as Jim Justice did, uh, switch parties. So that's why they don't push him so much. That's why you have a Cory Bush lighting him up, but not anybody who has any type of political savvy. Because he's got all the cards. He is the most powerful Democrat in Washington. And and what I'm wondering, John, I've got a big picture question to ask you. You've seen so many pushes. You've seen Republicans on the rise. You've seen them on the wane. You've seen Democrats, same thing. Do you sense that this country is ready to move to the middle, that a candidate, if not Joe Manchin, like him or her, will start resonating with the party and moving away from uh, from the big left, uh, the Bernie Sanders, the Cory Bush, um, the AOCs. Do you see that? No one thinks, looks at Pete Buttigieg and say there's a moderate. No one, no one looked at Cory Booker and said there's a moderate. So the one they looked elected ended up being a compromised moderate, but they knew they thought they could push him around and make him like Bernie Sanders once he got the job. Mm-hmm. Do you think the party is ready to look up the middle? I, you know, I don't know because the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is so powerful. But I, th- I think that you're going to find uh, that a lot of moderate Democrats may sort of follow uh, the, the lead that was set by, by Ronald Reagan. He used to be a Democrat. He became a Republican. And remember, he famously said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The party left me. Uh, and and I, I think you're looking at Joe Manchin as a potential Ronald Reagan type of uh, politician. I don't know if Kirsten Sinema might go that far, but certainly she's got political pressures 
in Arizona, which really is a purple state now, so she can you know sort of bridge that line. But for Manchin, he's he's a rare Democratic senator living in a very Republican state. And how much longer can you remain a moderate Democrat before they actually push you out of the party? And I think for Manchin, that that Ronald Reagan uh, idiom may uh, may hold true that. You know, the Democratic that Manchin didn't leave the Democratic Party in the end. The Democratic Party left him and he just couldn't stomach it anymore. But, I, you know, I don't know how much room there is for moderates in the Democratic Party. But I think that the the moderates that there are in the party are looking at the progressive wing and saying, you are taking this down a rabbit hole that's going to decimate our ranks next November. And they potentially need to do something about it. I just, I just don't know how they can, because the progressive wing of the party, Brian, is is so vocal. And and not only vocal, but they're willing to viciously go after Democrats who disagree with them. Right. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Henry Cuellar on down. They seem to make both sense, and and they're seeing what happens. There's a couple of things going on. I think are devoid of politics. Crime. I'm pretty sure that's not a Republican or Democrat issue. But when it comes to Democrats, clearly uh, they're getting low grades on that, and they earned them. London Breed said this a couple of days ago. Where did this come from? Let's listen. It's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. More aggressive with the changes in our policies and less tolerant of all the that has destroyed our city. Really? Now, we've been watching these uh, smash and grabs. No reaction. We've been seeing this, DA. No reaction. We're not, we're, we're hearing them say, well, it's up for them to get private security. No reaction. But when she said that, I was jolted because she was leading the charge to defund the police, and now she's asking for more. What's behind that? You know, it's the old chickens coming home to roost uh, adage. And and if you take away money from police, if you allow, if you take away bail, if you take away prosecution of certain of crimes under a certain amount of money, uh, you are giving criminal elements in this nation license to run wild. Uh, and, you know, there are these liberal prosecutors like George Gascon in Los Angeles, Kim Fox in Chicago, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, who, who believe that, oh, look, you know, criminal, criminality and criminal behavior isn't necessarily a problem if it's at a low level. But, but we're seeing that, obviously, it, it has huge consequences. And there's, there's an enormous blowback now, even from uh, many people on the left as to what's going on, because they see it as uh, ruining their businesses, ruining the economy, ruining society. You had Nancy Pelosi, who stood up and said, this is a real problem. We've got to stop it. I don't know what the cause is. Do you? <laughs> and I heard that yesterday. And, I, and you know, my, as my wife and I were coming back from San Diego, and even though we were you know, in, in a terrible mood, I, I laughed and I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is she? It's glaringly obvious what the problem is. You take money away from police, you stop prosecuting crime, it's going to explode across this country. Does she say that if the San Francisco mayor doesn't say what we saw? And could there be a massive change? Could the numbers be so bad when it comes to crime? Is this the last minute damage control when Joe Biden came out and James Carville echoed it? Uh, the fund the co- cop, the fund the police, as, as David Axelrod say, is the stupidest a most illogical thing that you could ever say in an election. It almost cost him the House last time. Finally, Marty McCarty just joined, joined me after joining, uh, testifying on Capitol Hill. And he cannot mm-hmm. believe how much underreported studies are coming out that no one's talking about. 
He says, when you look at some of this data, it is so disturbing. Number one, we actually have a therapeutic that knocks this virus down to zero if you take it by Pfizer. Not, no one's talking about it, including the guy who can't get off television, Anthony Fauci. Then he said this from a Brown study. We're talking about Dr. Fauci. Does he read the studies? A new study just came out in Nature Medicine yesterday showing that with the vaccines, particularly Moderna, the rates of myocarditis are way higher than we thought. They're way higher than myocarditis you get from the infection. And the cardiologists are very concerned. And actually, the, the European Union does not recommend um, Moderna for people under age 30. Imagine that. Germany, France, they, they tell you you should not get the Moderna vaccine if you're under 30. Do you believe that? I mean, that should be screaming headlines, John. What, what I don't understand is this vaccine above all else mentality that this administration and, and the Democratic lawmakers in, in Washington are, are pushing. Clearly, therapeutics are going to play a huge role here in preventing serious disease. You've got this drug from Pfizer. Uh, you've got um, that other drug, Molnupiravir. I can't remember who makes that. Uh, and, and yet, there's no push to get emergency use authorization for either one of those things. Uh, I remember Trump talked about therapeutics all the time. Some of the therapeutics he talked about were a little bizarre, but he talked about the importance of developing therapeutics as well as, as vaccines. So it's, it's all well and good to have vaccines available, but you need to have other things as, as well in terms of the front line. For example, I had COVID uh, at the end of um, September, uh, it, it wasn't suggested to me that I run right out to my local hospital and ask them for monoclonal antibodies. So I've been dealing with, even though I was double vaccinated and I'm now boosted, long COVID, which finally is just beginning to resolve itself. But if I had a therapeutic that I could have gone to the pharmacy Absolutely. and taken, yes. uh, like the Pfizer pill or like the Molnupiravir, maybe I would have avoided two months of lingering cough and shortness of breath and gotcha. tightness in my chest that, that made me wonder what was going on. But but the White House isn't pushing that. The White House is just vaccine, 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 vaccine. You, you need to have, you gotcha. know, you talk about a whole of government approach. you got to have a whole of medicine approach. John Roberts, we're going to watch you on America Report. So sorry about the news, but thanks for joining us. Thank you, and you Bob. gave a great warning. John Roberts, thank you. America Reports from 1 to 3. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to finishing up this hour. Hey, I hope to see all of you over in Nashville. I know a lot of you watch the stream on Fox Nation or you listen on the podcast. Uh, as well as local affiliates. I'm going to be doing Governor Huckabee's show. Uh, I'm going to be taping that on Friday and then heading right over at 8.15, going to John Rich's great place, his bar on 3rd Street and Broadway, uh, the Redneck Riviera. About 8.15, I'll get there. Not many people are looking to go to Broadway in Nashville and saying, I need a good book. So that's why this is unprecedented. <laughs> so not many people are like, you know, I need to read. You probably need to read. So 
Uh, but it is a great Christmas present. It's printed in America, so we got plenty of them. The book is, continues to be top ten in the country for the last six weeks. The President of Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America's Soul. Then, WHIO listeners, uh, there was a mistake. By mistake, we had sold out, opened up more seats. So there's more seats for you. I'll be talking for a long time, taking all your questions. You guys have been so supportive of this show and of me and of Fox. So I love going to Dayton. This is my great opportunity. And then having to go to Cincinnati right after. If you want details, I need you to click and register. That's the issue. Uh, register online. Get tickets online. Go to BrianKillme.com. And if anybody wants it personalized but is not going to see me in person, go to BrianKillme.com, and it goes right to my local bookstore. But do it quick. Because I might be going there tonight, definitely on Sunday. Brian Kill Me Show, don't move. Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. It's going to be a big hour. We're going to be joined. Uh, and don't ask me how I know. Okay, I looked at the list from Daryl Eisen, a matter of moments, out of the West Coast uh, in California. The more mandates, vaccine, and masks are just driving business owners crazy and totally unfair to the population, especially kids in school. And then Martha McCallum right after that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Some COVID policies have become too extreme, too rigid, and are no longer driven by clinical data. Is this what we've come to? Pharma tells people what to do in a press release and the CDC just falls in line? Uh, that is just some of what Marty McCarry has told us. That was yesterday's testimony, and he has more with us today. That's my reaction. It's again. Really, we're doing this again. Collegeness is going crazy. They're now sending students remote with week just a week or two left in their semester to take their finals from another location and say, don't come back unless you're boosted. Inexplicable, unacceptable, but they're everywhere. Number two. I think Bill Back Better is dead forever, and let me tell you why. Because Joe Manchin has said he's not going to vote for a bill that will add to the deficit. Well, if you do away with the budget gimmicks, Build Back Better, according to the CBO, adds $3 trillion to the deficit. He doesn't want to vote for a bill that makes inflation worse. And that is a responsible Joe Manchin. Lindsey Graham talking about it. Down goes his agenda. Thanks to Joe Manchin's strong stance against the uh, Build Back Better plan. And Kirsten Sinema saying, I will not blow up the filibuster. And packing the court is now off. Federalizing elections will not work. Good news from Democrats because Republicans were helpless to stop it. Number one. If there's anything perfect about Biden, it's a perfect storm. He's got a supply chain crisis. He's got an inflation crisis. He's got a border crisis. He's got a crisis of confidence that he can really run the country. I think that's what Americans are expressing in these polls. Yeah, there's a lot to express in these polls. Economic worries, that's big. They're pervasive. And the feeling is this administration is not helping with Christmas here. Uh, you can't hide. Inflation is big, and it hurts the working class most. Joining us now, Congressman Darrell Issa. 
uh, self-made success story before he got into politics, knows what it's like to be a small business owner and become a very successful one, uh, and he's got his ear to the ground. Now he's back in Congress uh, in California. Congressman, welcome back. Oh, Brian, thanks for having me on, and, and thank you. Your big three really says it all. You know, how could we go in just a little over a year, we could go from the best economy in uh, in our lifetime, from inflation under control, the supply chain working perfectly, and our military never feeling better about themselves, to each and every one of those things has gone awry. There were some things that were wrong uh, before uh, this president came in. We had a homelessness problem. We certainly had a drug epidemic problem. We weren't enforcing the laws. But what a surprise. Those problems which weren't being – had not yet been addressed fully now are exacerbated by all these new problems, including, as you've covered, a COVID mandate that has become confusing and unacceptable, particularly to our military. They have, you lost 27 Air Force personnel, and they tell me it's just the beginning. You're, you've served in the military, and they say it's just the beginning. And now others would say, hey, you know, they, they know when you when you sign up for the military, you basically got to do everything, whether it's smallpox or uh, to prevent to getting hit by uh, any type of these uh, chemical weapons. They want to inoculate you. But this is a big problem, isn't it? It is a big problem. and It's a big problem because it's part of, of a pattern of demoralizing our military. Our men and women are just coming off of that terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. They're, they're being told that they're going to get a 2.7% adjustment in their pay. Well, Social Security is adjusting almost 6%. They know what that means. It's a pay cut. After you get through with any inflation adjustment, their pay is being cut. So then you add to that a mandate that makes – here's how little sense it makes, Brian. When they discharge that major or that colonel or that tech sergeant from the Air Force, uh, guess what? He walks up to a civilian who does not have the mandate to get discharged. The president has, has deferred those millions of federal workers from a mandate unless they wear a uniform, unless they get shot at, unless they go in harm's way, they have a deferral where they don't have to have it. And you just say, wait a second, most military bases have substantially similar numbers of civilians all over the place. They don't have a mandate because the president's not going to take on the unions because the president doesn't want to offend that group, but he's perfectly willing to demoralize the military. I was uh, doing a book signing over in McLean, Virginia, and I had so many people from the Pentagon who work at the Defense Department, and they were telling me this separately, not even knowing each other, uh, saying that you don't understand how politically correct and woke the Defense Department has become and how what a terrible place it is to work, let alone in the military itself. I mean, are you getting that, too, people reaching out to you? They are. As a matter of fact, we're getting uh, tens of calls every day that get through to our offices uh, with specifics. I had one person who literally had been working in the Situation Room just a few months ago who is now being discharged uh, because that person won't get not a first shot, but the booster shot. They've just had enough of it. They had bad side effects when they got it the first time. I've had 
uh, high-ranking officers who say, look, I had COVID. I got over it. Uh, I went to get the shot. I had side effects. I don't want to do it. Uh, we have in our possession over 60 applications. They were very different applications for religious exemptions. All 60 got the same form denial, not one word different. So, and by the way, that's multiple different branches. They're, they're, they have systematically denied any exemption for religious reasons, um, something that has never been the case. The most important thing is, you, and you see it, Brian, we're, we don't really believe at this point that what we're doing is all that necessary. Thank we you. were told if we got to 60 yeah. percent, we would have herd immunity. Our men and women in the military are over 90 percent, well over 90 percent. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, the highest state in the union, which I think is Vermont, is at about 75 percent vaccination. The military is a success story at over 90 percent, and they're being told we're going to discharge anyone who doesn't have it. And by the way, if not for action by the uh, Congress, they were being discharged less than honorable. People with 19 years being told that because they were scared to get a shot or because they had an objection or because they had a reaction, they were somehow going to be thrown out. It's wrong. It's so inherently wrong, and it's demoralizing. And that's why it's a national security threat. It's a national security threat because when you start demoralizing the military, I served in Jimmy Carter's hollow military. I know exactly how fast a military can go from being a winner to being a loser. And that's what we're heading toward if we don't reverse this policy and, and many others. Uh, but I thank you for covering the whole question of when are we going to say, here's the science, let's follow it, instead of, here's the mandate, we'll, we'll twiddle around with the science to support it. I want you to hear Dr. Marty McCarry, who's been looking into the study. And Anthony Fauci, uh, not only is he, uh, is he full of misinformation and wrong advice, but he's never studying. He's always on television. So listen to what Dr. McCarry said. We're talking about Dr. Fauci, does he read the studies? A new study just came out in Nature Medicine yesterday showing that with the vaccines, particularly Moderna, the rates of myocarditis are way higher than we thought. They're way higher than myocarditis you get from the infection. And the cardiologists are very concerned. And actually, the, the European Union does not recommend um, Moderna for people under age 30. Imagine that. Germany, France, they, they tell you you should not get the Moderna vaccine if you're under 30. Do, do you, did you hear anything about that? No, you again, Fauci is a character on television, the same as the White House press uh, spokesperson is. That's not the source. There's plenty of science. But look, look, let's look at one of the pieces of science that's amazing. We now have a pill from Merck that dramatically reduces the symptoms if you get it. We didn't have that for the flu. We didn't have that for the common cold. Rather than celebrating that much of what really concerned us in the beginning, we now have control of. What we're doing is we're, again, throwing out the few uh, and saying, well, we've, we've got to enforce more. We, my state just did a 100% uh, indoor uh, mandate for masks again for the next month. No science specifically supporting it, but here you go. Unbelievable. Uh, that's where we're at right now. Congressman, you've seen a lot of uh, you've you've been in the minority, you've been in the majority, you've had uh, you've been at war, you've served, you've you've done investigations. It's so interesting with Republicans really 
as observers, we watched Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema single-handedly bring sobriety to the Democrats. I mean, they, they single-handedly are stopping the filibuster from being erased, stopping federalizing of elections, and now stopping the Build Back Better plan. Is that what you're hearing? Well, what I'm, what I'm hearing and seeing is that 50 Republicans are standing together in a way they often don't. And two brave Democrats are supporting the Constitution and looking and realizing eventually if they, dis- if they destroy the institution, when the other side is in the majority, yeah. they will find themselves powerless. They're actually preserving it for their own benefit. But I appreciate it. I appreciate two and, – and I know they get called centrist, but I think they're just looking at the basics – of the Constitution, the basic of common sense. You know, Joe Manchin, quite frankly, I think he's just looking and saying, I do not want to be the person who gets runaway inflation and a debt that could lead to the devaluation of the dollar. I don't want that on my hand because they're not going to remember the they're going to they're not going to remember the 49 Democrats who are on the other side. They're going to remember Joe Manchin if he doesn't stick to his word. And I think that's why he's sticking to his word. And look, I hate the filibuster when we're trying to move good legislation. I love it when you simply can't run roughshod by a small majority. America should not be one man, one vote, and only one time. We should be a country where the back and forth is gradual and predictable because America has a right to expect moderate changes, not radical changes. And and I appreciate these two senators for doing exactly that, saying that there has to be a little more consensus rather than simply 50 votes plus the vice president, and it's all over. Last question. On your border, we hear a lot about Arizona and how terrible it is, and, and it's a disaster in Texas. What about California? California is just as bad. There's just the Uber driving that our uh, ICE and Border Patrol are forced to do simply isn't getting the same uh, level of story. The story, though, at the California border is because it's so open, the drug situation is far worse, both in, uh, on the water and on land. And that's the the crime that goes with it on both sides of the border. You know, in San Diego, we used to be one of the safest cities. And the reason was we put up a fence and both Tijuana and San Diego benefited by not having cross-border crime. That is falling apart, and it really is affecting San Diego and Tijuana to the south. Your, Your fence came down? Our fence is wide open. There are there are gates that are should be closed that are blocked open. There were sections of the fence that were under reconstruction. That when uh, Biden came in, the first thing he did is said, "Stop it!" And uh, many of the actually Fox has shown some of them on television. Um, and worse than that. If you walk up to the opening in the fence, their job now is to move you right into uh, 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 right into the port and hand you a ticket. And the killer about this is they're so busy picking these people up and taking them in and, and processing them to remain in America that they don't have the time to go after the drug traffickers who are sneaking across the border. It is it is terrible in San Diego. We're not an exception. Uh, I represent a huge part of the border. The thing that bothers me, of course, is it didn't have to happen. All the president had to do was simply not change the the remain in Mexico 
uh, not change uh, these other policies that were working. And he could have he could have changed the things he wanted to, but kept America safe for whatever reason he chose not to. Uh, and they're they're we're paying a price for it. But I believe in uh, next November, the Democrats are going to pay a price for it, not because Republicans suddenly got good, but because Americans long for a time in which common sense was at least part of the equation. All right. I hear you, Congressman. You have a full plate. It looks like you are on target to be in the majority. And I know how effective you can be as a chairperson. Uh, Congressman Darrell Issa, thanks. Thank you, Brian. Thank All right. Uh, fighting for a military to make sure they're not kicked out for not getting vac- vaccinated, many of which have had multiple tours of duty. When we come back, Martha McCallum joins us and we'll take your calls. one 408 Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The new from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fast as three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The mayor does not control the crime problem. The district attorneys are more significant in that uh, uh, situation. In San Francisco, like Chicago, like Boston, like soon to be in New York, Atlanta, every one of these cities that's having problems, uh, take a look at the district attorneys, most of them funded by George Soros and his open society. They are destroying the criminal justice system in America. They are undoing 25 years of crime decline in America. Rapidly, within two last two years, crime increases. Uh, we've not seen anything like it in modern history. So thank the DA. So the mayors can talk all they want. Police chiefs can complain all they want. But if these district attorneys refuse to prosecute, you're not going to see any changes. Right. And that was Commissioner Bratton on Martha McCallum's show yesterday. And Martha will be doing her show again today at 3 o'clock. She's the host of the story, and she's in studio now. If you're watching Fox Nation, you recognize her. Hi there. Uh, Martha, I mean, that's just it. And, in fact, I used Commissioner Bratton as an example last night on The Five, and I mentioned it again today. Uh, and we, we pulled the soundbite because he said, don't get caught up in London Breed. It doesn't really matter what the mayor says. What's going to happen? Right. You know, what's going to happen with the no-cash bail? Uh, the cashless bail. What's going to happen with the prosecution? I anticipate that there's going to be a wave of change happening in these DA offices as well. And I think it's also really interesting to watch Kishant Sewell, who's the new police commissioner in the New York City, who's talking a really tough game going in. And I think everybody who loves this city hopes that she follows through with that and that she has the ability to. But she's going after judges, at least verbally right now, saying, you know, you you can't um, – we can't bring people. You have to have the discretion to do what you need to do to keep dangerous people off the streets. She wants judges to be empowered and to be motivated to do that. Um, I, I think it's fascinating to watch this sort of slow boil evolution that's going on when these mayors. And I, I do think I think it's a valid story, obviously, to take a look at what London Breed said. She she cut one hundred and twenty million dollars from the police force and the sheriff's department in San Francisco. And now she's, you know, screaming about the, the BS that's going on in their streets. It's it's really too late, honestly, to get to this conclusion. Um, and anybody could have seen this writing on the wall. I will never forget a conversation I had with the New York City homicide detective. The day that they disbanded the uh, anti-crime plainclothes unit, he said, you watch. You watch what's about to happen. It's going to be awful. It's going to be brutal. And boy, was he right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the only person confused about it and caught by surprise, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, cut 20. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're up against the break. I got caught up in this segment. I My thought you were going to do your best Nancy Pelosi. Right. That was, <laughs> when we come back, Nancy Pelosi will tell us exactly what's going on. Meantime, I'm going to try to recover in the break. Martha mm-hmm. McCallum's going to be with us, and her show I'm starts. I'm not going anywhere. You promise? Promise. All right. Back in a moment. Bye. The Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is not an empty shelf. It's a holiday tradition waiting another year. Because having a hard time finding cream cheese on shelves means having a hard time putting cheesecakes on tables. And we get that. So let's do this. This year, turn that famous cheesecake into those famous brownies. End your meal with a friendly fight over the last holiday cupcake. Share some cookies. Anything that'll make you feel anything in that cheesecake-shaped hole in your holiday heart. Seriously, you bake it, we'll buy it. Or get it store-bought, pretend you baked it, and we'll buy that too. Because this year, if you can't spread Philly, spread the feeling. I get Martha McCallum. <laughs> this is Philadelphia cheesecake realizing they don't have any, not cheesecake, uh, cream cheese. Cream cheese. Mm-hmm. Since so they're telling you don't, you yeah. don't even try to find it. This is bizarre. So you know, my more, part of my morning routine is that I go on my Peloton treadmill and I have you guys on while oh, I'm doing it. Oh, it's a treadmill. It. And yes, yeah, I have the bike and the treadmill. Actually, oh, wow. they're great. I have the bike. I'm not, you know, a sponsor or anything. But anyway, yes, right. I do. Um, so. I saw that you were very confused during this segment today. <laughs> was Brian I? was like, wait, what? I don't understand. Why are they They're going to send us money if we don't make cheesecake? And, right. and I was like, just I, feeling wait, wait, for you, you, my friend. Wait, I was like, can, he doesn't understand. Can you tell me? Martha, I still don't get it. It's a little, I agree with you. It's a little confusing. So basically they're saying we can't. So it, it's all just um, PR. It's just their ability, their effort to sort of keep people in the fold and not be so mad at them that they swear off cheesecake and cream cheese for the rest of their lives. So it's like, oh, you know, they, they sent me 20 bucks and I sent them brownies. And so I'd still love them. I guess that's what it's about. Well, here's the thing. But they're telling you. You're not going to get it. Don't right. buy my product. We're not going to well, get it. Well, they know so, already that they don't have enough to make it through the holidays. It's gone. Why would you? Unless you want the funky flavored ones. But why is that? Why is Philadelphia cheesecake? Why is the Philadelphia cream cheese telling people you will not get our product? Do something else. It's not. They don't have the supplies to create enough to get people through the holidays. I no, I no, I know that. Okay. Why tell us? Because they know people are going to be frustrated when they go to the store and it's not there and they're going to get mad. They're going to say, why doesn't this company get their act together and have enough on the shelves for Christmas? And so they're saying, we'll send you $20 if you send us something else that you make so that they don't lose their good relationship with their customers. It's, you know, the brainchild of some, you know, marketing uh, genius in the, in, the, in the conference room that they bought into. I don't know if it's going to work for them or not. I have no idea. But I don't think it's going to work. But isn't that weird to run out of cream cheese? By the way, it's not good for you. What else? I mean, it's really not. <laughs> right. How about, I know you were asking if they also buy the bagels. The Deucey's also buy the bagels. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. But, yeah. Um, and said, so, no, we use it in sauces. I mean, uh, they're, they're chefs over there at that house. They're not just right. smearing it on bagels, Brian. But I will say this. Nothing against lenders because they could be a sponsor eventually. 
Uh-huh. Um, but you cannot get a bagel, no, like a frozen no. bagel, and bring it back to life. No, you ever. can't bring it back to right. life. Once your what bagels, what about if you buy them at a good bagel shop and then you, and they're sliced and you put them in your freezer? And if, if you have extra ones, I've done that before. Keep going. They do okay. They they can when come back you, to life. When you do what? When you unfreeze them, if How? they're if they started as good bagels. Mm. How do you, you leave bring them, them back on the to counter? Life? How do you and do then that? you put them in the broiler? Broiler. Yes. Not microwave. Oh no, you can't microwave bread. It just turns it into like. Rubber. Really? Because I thought you can if you eat it quickly. Because my thing is, you can bring it back to life for a very short period of time, but if you let it sit, it'll calcify. Right. You have. Well, I think it's better to, to stick it in the broiler. This is coming from someone who is not a cook, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. I am someone who puts a, like a piece of pizza in the microwave to warm it up because I'm lazy. I don't want to wait for it to go all the way through the broiler, but it, that is the better way to do it. Like, my husband would never eat a piece of microwaved pizza. He would take the time and put it in the broiler. He would? Yes, absolutely. He's never in a rush? N- well, he's he's not willing to. He would, if he doesn't like the, the way it tastes, he would just throw it out. He'd be like, nope, it's not it's not right. right. It has to be right for him. For me, I don't really care. I could take a, like, kind of chewy piece of pizza in the car on my way somewhere, and that's lunch. I'm good with that. So here's here's the thing. Do you not enjoy cooking? Is that it? I don't. Right. Is do you eat out a lot? Yes. You get you take in a lot, right? Um, no, I actually do you, like or we no, have you a actually system. go out to dinner. We have a system. We eat at home generally like Monday through Wednesday. I try to give like a home meal Mondays through Wednesdays, but my husband loves to cook. But my job is to make sure that the things that we need are in the house and ready to go. For him. Yes. Because he will after long day at work, he doesn't mind like looking at what's already set and ready for him to to put together. So I get it all teed up and Got prepped, it. and then he'll come in and make it. We have a really good system, and I yeah. Who I gets do home dishes. first? Um, now I do. I right. mean, I got home at nine o'clock at night for over four years. Terrible. So that was when this system came into being. So when mm. I started doing the show at three o'clock instead of seven o'clock, I think that my husband was like, awesome, you know? So now she'll be home in time to cook dinner, but it right. hasn't really translated do that Do you way. feel guilty at all that you're home first and yet you're waiting for him to cook? No, because I get everything ready and he enjoys all right. it. All right, good. He likes to. He likes the actual cooking. Now, do you remember the conversation we had at some game uh, I was talking to your husband, and you were them, and there was a rotation on the morning show for an anchor. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, Martha McCallum be perfect. Martha McCallum be perfect." And he just said to me, "There is no way because you were doing nine, you were doing nine to eleven. He nixed it. No, I'm he nixed it before you look, even thought about I, it. I, you know, I love to work hard. I've been working hard my whole life. Um, but I really respect what you guys do. But I, I had, I woke up at two thirty in the morning to do morning shows in my life, and I could not do it on a permanent basis. There's no way. Right. And I give you so much credit because you, I know, need almost no sleep. But um, I'm not that person, and I, I no, love but, that no, you guys can is, do it. But no, thank you. No, but you were considering it, unless you were lying to me. <laughs> but your husband nixed it. Well, I was probably open to being convinced. It, to do it, you know, or to 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 right, want to entertain do it. it, and he was probably saying what he knew is the truth for me, which is that ah, probably wouldn't work. All right, what I like I pro- to see my husband. You know what I'm saying? So right. I don't want to go to bed at like six o'clock at night because I like to see him in the evening, which I can now do. That's after good. His long day That's a healthy relationship. Yeah, we do have a healthy. Well, it, you know, it takes work, and you have to make sure that you can see each other. That you're going to actually be home at the same time, at least a couple of hours right. a day. See, I like I like this. Like with this book tour, it's going on for six weeks, right? Um, but your wife, she's probably not. She's probably happy when you're out all over the country. 
That, that, see, that hurts my feelings. Oh, I'm Why just is Allison laughing? I'm, I've met your wife. She's so lovely, and she obviously is and, but, so devoted to you. Right. Uh, up until now, uh, evidently. <laughs> But no, she met us on the road. We went to, I did a, one of those oh, live shows nice. in Ponte Vedra, then went to Clearwater, and I said that would be a good trip. But it turned out, here's the brilliance of it. I accepted it. I'm starting to think, I accepted on December 3rd, and I go, wow. Because you put out bids to get theaters, right. and then you get a position. I don't really know the business that well. And with the position, we got first position in Ponte Vedra, and I got it. I go, great. And I'm like, what's December 3rd? Oh, my anniversary. Aww. So I go, I have a great idea. Why didn't she come? Yeah. So that was good. It was good. But then so we went, is uh, it at that Pontre? I, I did something. I did an event there. Once isn't that great? Pontre. It's wonderful. Yeah, the beautiful theater beautiful right off place. A1A. Yep. And and then we went to Clearwater right after. It was about two and a half, three hours. In so between. you had a nice anniversary. And you find a way to be together. That's what matters. Right. Yeah. But do you find that sometimes it's so tight you can't have a free-flowing conversation? It's like, okay, what do you got? Boom, totally. boom, boom, boom. No, no that happens like, all the time. Well, what do you need? I'm like, I yeah. don't know what I need. I, can we just talk and see where this goes? Right. No, right? my and husband so, and I, like, yeah, when he gets home, he'll sometimes get home. Well, now he gets home later than I do. Um, and, yes, there's, like, the bullet point. Like, okay, wait, I have three questions. You need to, I, I need to get, I need I'm to like, oh, I'll say to him, like, I need to get an answer on these three things tonight. Right. What do you say? Yeah. Right. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Excuse me. Anything else? That's it. That's it. Business you haven't seen me all week, and that's all you have. I'm like, yeah. Exactly. Well, I, okay. Yeah. Can we see? Can we let this flow? Can we go from small talk to real talk, and maybe something well, will come up? Have, like, you have to go out for a date, you know. Right. With each other. With each other. Yes. That's the idea. I want to make sure. Uh, what did I promise you before we went on a break? Uh, I promised you Nancy Pelosi. Oh yes, you did. Uh, yes. So you said to me, everybody knows this crime was an issue. Everyone knows it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Not to the. Uh, 82-year-old Speaker of the House? Cut 20. It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, Obviously, it cannot continue. Uh, But the fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. Maybe you do. (laughs) And we cannot have that lawlessness uh, become the norm. Does she mean that? Like this, you, is I she love it that when she aloof? says that. She, yeah, I think she's so fascinating to watch in action. And you know what? I think um, no matter what you think of her politics, it's just interesting. She's 82 years old, right? And she's so fired up all the time. And I love it when she says, maybe you do. <laughs> right. Maybe you, whoever she's talking to, uh, reporter in the room, maybe you know why where you know, it's coming from. By the way, but she does I not, don't. But see, I, I find it interesting to, to listen to, but she's fine when she does her little speeches. But when even she gets a tough question from Wolf Blitzer, she gets offended. Oh, I don't know what you know. I don't oh, know what totally. you're doing. Yeah. So, so to me, that's no, she not doesn't a good, want anybody to mess with her. Yeah, but, she's feisty. But Martha, that's not a good politician. A good I'm politician. Telling, I, I'm not saying you know good or bad. I'm just saying it's it, she's an interesting political figure right. who has been around a very long time, had a very long career. Okay, I'm going to say how. Uh, let's say savvy. Do we agree with that? Okay. Yes. All right. Then then figure this out. Cut twenty one. It has to be stopped. And again, showing that people were not being able to profit from that. This isn't like somebody stealing something to go home because they don't have the money to buy. This is about stealing for profit. They have to prove where, where, it, where it came from. It's outrageous, and it must, as I agree with the mayor, it must be stopped. And it's not just San Francisco. It, it's, in, it's in our entire country. Does she not know that every Democratic mayor allowed this to happen, take root, it was gradual, and all of a sudden, boom, 
does she, what do you think? Do you think that she is that detached where she didn't know? No, it, it's just become so bad that she now has to address it. That's what's happening That's with what all I mean. of them. I mean, they they have not liked this trend for obvious reasons, both because it's ruining their city and because it hurts them politically, because they, they all wish they could just rewind and forget the entire defund the police movement, which was so pervasive all across the country. And they, you know, it, it, you could feel it when it, in real time that this was going to be an enormous mistake. They have basically emasculated law enforcement across the country. They have put in, and I always say this, you know, whether they say they wanted to defund the police or not, they did. And they are still doing it with these vaccine mandates, which I find fascinating that they're starting to turn those around because they need to fill, they need staff, they need people, they need bodies in hospitals, law enforcement, Amtrak, all of these places, right? So, no. So so she's saying, well, you know, most of the time when people steal, it's just because they're starving. But these people appear to be doing it for profit. Ah. Wow. So if it was Cori Bush or AOC, I'd say, well, they're in their 20s and they've never been in politics before. But she's trying to sell us that she didn't know. So to me, it reminds me of James Carville come out and said, just said, this is the antithesis of James Carville. Defund the police? Are you crazy? Do you right. know, David Oxrod, same thing. Are you nuts? Right. So now, too, but they, she said nothing. But yet, I believe London Breed started it. I don't think that was a the, the mayor of San Francisco. I don't believe it's like, I've had it. I believe it's like, oh, my God, the internals are no, so terrible. No, no, they're terrible. panicked. The they internals. are panicked. And they realize that the message that they've had for the last year has been so destructive and wrong. They look at the all of this polling that shows that they that people think the president's not doing a good job on keeping them safe, whether it's regionally or nationally. The attitude is completely wrong. People do want police to protect them, and it doesn't matter if they're black or white or whatever their color is. They want to feel safe in their neighborhood. I mean, car thefts in my neighborhood are through the roof, and it changes people's behavior. Right. You know, when I walk like, down the driveway at night, I'm like, hmm, somebody— Your neighborhood? At, oh, yeah. Wow. A couple of <laughs> yeah. things. How unbelievable it is. It's tragic, but it's funny. People in San Francisco are now popping their trunks and lowering their windows, and and they're saying— Basically, don't wreck, don't smash my window. I don't have a how laptop. How sad is that? It's unbelievable. How, 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 that is, that is pathetic. so heartbreaking. You know, I mean, we've gone back to a time that I remember from when I was a kid where crime was just so There were no radio signs yes, on your window? Yes, thank you. Because people didn't want them to break the windows and steal the radios out of their car. Exactly. It's, I mean, the leadership... Um, has failed in so many ways. And these, you almost don't blame these criminals. It's like, well, if that's your line of work and you're, and you're a thief, then you should, then you, you better take advantage of this moment. Right. Right. Because you've got a free reign and you're going to get out tomorrow and you can steal up to 950 bucks and get away scot-free. So if if you are good at it, you can get away with quite a bit. All right. When we come back, I'm going to stop the Nancy Pelosi barrage because I had another one where I think she was drunk. Uh, at that DNC thing where she did not know where to leave and didn't know how to stop and called Joe Biden perfect. Even Joe Biden's mom didn't call him perfect. You think she was having too much holiday fun? That's what I think. Could be. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mr. President, it is an honor and, of course, a pleasure to be here at this time of challenge and with the coronavirus, financial insecurity for families, national disasters, and more. Our country could not be more, could not be better served than with this most experienced, capable hands than yours, President Biden. He's just perfect. 
<laughs> He's just perfect. You think she means that? What was that, that the Golden Globes? Right. <laughs> no, I, whoever uses that term, just perfect. He's just perfect. Right. I mean, yeah. And then she didn't know where to go. Oh, my god. It was an open stage. You can go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. So... And then the next day, she uh, made those comments, and she looked like uh, it looked like she was hungover. But you know, you're allowed to just just understand. There's cameras rolling. Yeah. Uh, those are your decisions you're gonna have to make. Mm-hmm. So, everyone's getting incensed. Uh, oh, I, I want to brag a little bit, Doctor. Not brag, but I want to bring your attention to this. Doctor Marty McCarry was on with us, and he testified yesterday on Capitol Hill, and he is more flabbergasted than any other medical professional about the lack of sharing information. First, he tells us there's a pill that Pfizer has right now that knocks the symptoms down to zero once you get it. For some reason, that's not being pushed. He does not understand it. Why? And then he said this about what a nature study just revealed about Moderna. We're talking about Dr. Fauci. Does he read the studies? A new study just came out in Nature Medicine yesterday showing that with the vaccines, particularly Moderna, the rates of myocarditis are way higher than we thought. They're way higher than myocarditis you get from the infection. And the cardiologists are very concerned. And actually, the the European Union does not recommend um, Moderna for people under age 30. Imagine that. Germany, France, they they tell you you should not get the Moderna vaccine if you're under 30. Now, if you have a young athlete in your family. No, I know. But that just came out yesterday. He's been talking about that for, for a while. And this study confirms his concerns and yeah, so that I, I think that that is something that needs to be more widely circulated. Why isn't this this pill that has been available in the UK for, I don't know, at least four months, I would say, why isn't it widely available in this country? What are we doing? Why aren't we making sure, you know, we had all this fast track for the vaccines. Why don't they fast track emergency authorize, authorization for this pill? Therapeutics. It, yeah. It's it's insane. And also, Marty McCary has always, and I know you have too, um, been a big proponent of, of having more discussion and more testing for antibodies. You know, you should be able to get your antibodies tested as easily as you can get a COVID test or a vaccine. Right. Or, or just get fired. Uh, you might as well just fire the people. Yeah, it's uh, easier. I like to use this opportunity in the last minute we have left for you to say who's coming up on your show. So, you know, the... I'm going to talk to Paula Lofton, who is Ethan Crumbly's attorney. She's representing the 15-year-old who is accused of shooting four students at Oxford High School. This is a – it's a very – it's a incredibly tragic, these four kids. I just keep thinking about their families heading into Christmas, never having expected in a million years that they would be facing the grief that they have right now. She's representing this young man, and I think it's very interesting what's going on with his mom and dad. And we're going to talk to her about That's that. That's going to be great. So I'll be on the five a little bit later, and I'm going to guest on Gutfeld, too. And don't forget, President Freedom Fighter, I'm going to be in Nashville signing at 815 on Broadway. It's really boring, except for my book signing. And That's then awesome. WHIO in Dayton on Saturday. you got to register, and then over in Cincinnati. Thanks, Brian. All right, Martha, you seem nice. <laughs> From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.